If, uh, if you missed our intro, I want to give you just kind of some backdrop uh, so you'll understand what's going on. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how King Solomon built for God the most wonderful and magnificent temple. People came from all over the world to see Solomon's temple, to worship God there, and to see the glory of that place. And, and after King Solomon died, not very, not very long after at all, the people kind of got distracted, and they fell away from God. They actually turned to other idols and began worshiping other idols. So God then allowed a series of, of events to take place in order to draw them back, to pull them back to himself. We talked about the destruction of the temple, how in 587 B.C., uh, King Nebuchadnezzar with the Babylonian army destroyed the, basically the land of Judah almost wholesale, including God's house. And the Babylonians took the, the Jews into captivity for five decades. Stories uh, from scripture like Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their experience in the fiery furnace, those come out of that season of captivity, just to give you kind of an idea of when that happened. But you can imagine after 50 years, the hope and relief and anticipation they had when they were told that a portion, a remnant of the people of Israel could go back to their homeland and that they could go back and they could rebuild the temple and, and rebuild their, their city and, and so forth. And so under their governor Zerubbabel, about 50,000 or so went back to rebuild. And the first priority was to rebuild God's house. And so they started building the temple. And as I said a couple weeks ago, they, they, they got about as far as the foundations and, and the altar. But then they met up with some resistance. And then what did they do? They quit. They gave up. And for 14 or 15 years, the, the temple sat unfinished, and there was no progress at all. And so God raised up this guy named Haggai, a prophet, to call the people back to the task. Don't just focus on your houses, focus on, on God's house. Let's put God first. And with that backdrop, with that context in mind, we'll go on with the story. In Haggai 1, uh, verse 13, it says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. God says, I am with you. And we're going to come back to that thought. Um, and then verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. So what did God do? God stirred up the spirit of the governor, the high priest, and of the people. And God often does that in our lives. God will often stir up something in, in your spirit. I've seen him do this in, in many of, of you, in many times, in many different ways. God gives you hope to accomplish something. I mean, he puts something on your heart. He puts something on your mind. And God did this for the people. He gave them a sense of faith. We're to rebuild the temple. And he stirred up their spirits. And, and this will happen for those of you who are followers of Jesus. There will be times, sometimes right out of the blue, where, where you'll think, we are supposed to do this. And you will have faith for something, and, and you'll want to attack it. And that's because God has, has stirred something up in your spirit. And the story goes this way. It says, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty. We, we can do this. We can, we can build God's temple. We can build him an amazing temple. And we can do this. And, and one month goes by. And guess what happened? They quit again. <laughs> one month. It went from we can do this to a month later they, they fizzle out. And, 
and they had apparently one of these uh, big religious festivals, and they all gathered around the construction site of where they'd been working, and, and they're like, is this all there, there is? This is pathetic. This, I mean, there's no progress at all, and all of a sudden, everybody was down. They were, uh, they were I think, a little bit embarrassed and feeling sheepish. They're, they're like, we're trying to do our best, and you, and, and, and you don't like it, and so they quit just one month in. They went from, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. One month later, they, they fizzle out. Let's be often, honest, I should say. How often does that happen in our lives? You know, where, where we're, we're going to do this, we're going to attack this, and, and then we kind of flame out before we even get started. Um, I know this very firsthand. I shared uh, last time about my journey with kind of physical fitness and uh, how, for me, the hard right that God had been speaking to me about was to get in shape, to actually begin to add some physical exercise to my life. And it turns out he's been asking me that for a number of years. But this has been sp- very specifically in this season, God's been putting his finger on that for me. And uh, by the way, after I talked about this that Sunday, I got all some real helpful feedback. Thank you f- for that, people. That was really good. Unwanted, but helpful, yes. The very next day, I tried to practice what I preached. I actually went to the running room a place I hoped I'd never have to go to, to be honest. But I went to the running room, and it was in the evening, and, and I, I go into the store, and the shoes are at the back of the store. I go to the back of the store, and it was really intimidating suddenly because there's like 20 people in the back of the running room, and, and they're all gathered around in front of the running shoes. I couldn't get to the running shoes because they were all in the way, and they're all dressed up in running gear, and they're wearing their running shoes. They're wearing like vests. I think there were a group that were prepared to go out on a run together. It was like a running club that was meeting there. And it's like they all turned and looked at me. And I think I, got, I felt in that moment sized up like, oh, yeah, he's not a runner. You know, like just, just even by the way he's walking, look at that, he can't run. Um, I did, though. Uh, the, the crowd parted, the, the help of being a big man, and they, they, they let me through, and, and somebody helped me. It turns out it's complicated to buy shoes. And I bought the most beautiful pair of shoes. I brought them today. <laughs> Look at those. <laughs> Apparently, shoes come with color now. Look at that. Aren't those nice? Um, I had to. I had to. They, uh, they have that, that smell of new, unused material. <laughs> In fact, I've decided that they are so expensive, so costly, so beautiful, that I would never wear them. <laughs> I would just put them on display in my home. Um, actually, I had to go to the bank and get a small loan to be able to afford to pay for those stinking shoes. But... Uh, one of my obstacles in, in, in actually doing this, i got to take you back to my 20s, which is just like a, a few years ago, very few. But I think of my, my running career. It was short-lived. And uh, in my early 20s, I had a friend who said, you want to go running? I want, let's, let's get in shape. Let's do running. And, and I'm like, sure, we, we can do that. And uh, I remember the day that we laced up our shoes, and uh, we went out for this jog slash run, and uh, about 100 yards out, I'm like puffing and wheezing, and I'm thinking, well, that's enough, isn't it? But uh, I don't know if you're like this, but when you actually do something with somebody else, and they seem like they're, they're fine, 
you just like step up and you keep going. And so I kept running and we kept on running what seemed like an eternity. And uh, by the end of it, I, I, I swear I, I left my lunch on the side of the road and I am feeling like I'm going to die. And the next morning I wake up and I'm like paralyzed. <laughs> and I had what uh, they call, uh, I, I don't really, uh, this, this has been a good excuse for me. And I, I developed what they call shin splints where you li- I literally kind of wrecked my legs. I couldn't run for several weeks. I, was, I could barely walk that day. Uh, and so <laughs> I'm like, I started, I had this great start, and I retired almost immediately. It was kind of a defining moment of my physical exercise career. We're all like that to some degree. We can attack, we, we, can, we can build this temple, we can build this temple, we can build this temple. And then one month later to the day, because they dated everything, one month later, they flamed out. I don't know what it is for you. You know, we're, we're going to get out of debt. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to get out of debt. We're going to get out of debt. And then, then Christmas comes along, and, and you say, oh, I forgot about that. I mean, nobody can pay down debt during Christmas, and so we give up. Or, or I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to do this diet. I'm going to go on a diet. And wait a minute. Uh, Doritos are on sale at <laughs> half price. Or, or that chocolate from Christmas is going stale. That would be wasteful to let that go bad. Or we're going to go to the gym every year, every January. We, we do this. And, and what happens in February? The gym is filled in January. It's emptied in February. Where, where are we? We're going to do this, and then we don't make the progress we think we're going to make, and, and we end up being very discouraged. That's exactly what happened to the people of God. We're, we're going to do this for God. It's going to be amazing. One month in, when it didn't go like what they expected... They got incredibly discouraged. God had Haggai ask them this question, and, and to you and, and to me, and, and it's so loving. It's as if he wanted to get to the roots of, of their discouragement. It, if you're discouraged today, it, it's maybe perhaps because of the, the, one of these two reasons we find revealed in this question, in chapter 2 and, and verse 3. Haggai asked them on behalf of God, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? In other words, who, is, who among you is old enough to remember Solomon's temple? Wasn't it amazing? You, you look at what you've begun, and Haggai says, how does this look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Really not an encouraging word in a sense, but who of you remembers the, the former temple and its amazing glory? Doesn't this one look like nothing in comparison? Two causes of discouragement I want to talk about today. The first is comparisons. And the second is lack of progress. Comparisons and, and lack of progress. Very certainly, these people are, are doing the same things that we often do. They were comparing their start with, with somebody else's finish. We just started. Our, our temple doesn't look very good. And, and their finish was so much better. In fact, scholars tell us that, that Haggai was, was likely around in his, in his 70s. Probably maybe 75 years old when, when he was prophesying to them. He's in his 70s, which means that 50 years before when when they were in captivity, uh, he would have been a teenager or, or an older child. He was old enough, certainly, to remember the former temple. Wow, Solomon's temple is, is awe-inspiring. It was magnificent. This one isn't awe-inspiring at all. And there's this, this deep sense of contrast and, and comparison going on. I, I don't know about you, but I get incredibly discouraged sometimes when I compare where other people are at and, and where I'm not. It's like you, you look at the guy and, and you say, he's, he's got this uh, awesome, fantastic job, an amazing car, and a beautiful home, 
and uh, I hate my job. You know, I, 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 I have a car that barely runs, and I'm living in a rented house in a, in a bad part of town or something like that. Um, or you're a woman, and you're comparing yourself to another woman. Uh, apparently, women do this a lot, I've heard. They like to compare each, with each other. Uh, or maybe you're comparing your kids with her kids. Her kids go to school in perfect matching outfits. They, they go with baked cookies every single day, and those kids are top of their class. Your kids are barely dressed. You know, you, you, you hope or you think to remember that they, they actually were wearing pants when they went out the door today, but you're not sure. They forgot their lunch and their flunking P.E. You feel so bad. And then what do we do? We go on Facebook or Instagram or other social media, and you're like, she was invited and I wasn't. Where was, why, why didn't I get that invite? Or, or look, they're traveling for like the third time this year, and, and I can't really even afford to go to the grocery store. <laughs> By the way, all kinds of studies on social media that tell us that, that and warn us that social media, a, a, an overconsumption of social media, Facebook and those kind of things, can actually lead to depression and, and certainly discouragement. Now, why is that? Well, it's because you're comparing your dull, everyday moments to somebody else's highlight reel, right? Uh, Social media presents a distorted image of reality, presenting, for the most part, somebody else's best moments in life, and and you're looking at that and going, I can't measure up with that. I feel so discouraged because they have it, I don't. Look what's going on in their lives. We're a failure, we feel so discouraged. It's it's no wonder that Franklin Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of all joy. And there's also just a lack of progress, and and this is what they did. We're we're a month into this. This is not going well. We're trying so hard, but we're not getting anywhere. And this is how we often feel, you know? (laughs) You say, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do this. And, And so for a whole month, you eat nothing but, you know, kale and celery and almonds, and you still gain two pounds. (laughs) You're like, what happened? I'm trying so hard. I'm working out. It's not working. Or you start a business or a a new initiative or a project of some kind, and it it seems like you take three steps forward and and, or two steps forward and and three back. Or or maybe for you, it's like your whole spiritual lack of progress. You say, I've been a Christian for all this time, but I still have this terrible temper. I mean, our family, we travel to church together, and and as we're traveling, we're going to worship God, and we shout the whole way there because we're going to be late, right? Or you think that by this time, I'd be better off, and so you wake up incredibly discouraged. They've got this. I don't have it. I'm trying my best, and I'm not making progress, and so one day, you feel like these people did. I'm not even sure it's worth it. Now, you may not be there this morning, Um, For some, you you might be right in that place. In in some category of your life right now, this is what you're thinking. I'm giving it all in in my marriage. I'm trying to put up with this person, and they're, you know, not even engaged. I'm trying. I I don't know if I want to try anymore. I'm so discouraged. I'm giving it my best, but I'm not getting anything in return. Some of you with your kids, you're you're praying for your kids. You're, You're giving them good advice. You're, you're doing everything you can do to help your kids make good decisions, and you're like, could you be any stupider? <laughs> you know? 
It's so discouraging because you tried everything you know how to try, and they continue to make decisions that, that just are devastating. You can see where they're heading, but you don't know how to get them to listen to you, and so you feel so discouraged. It could be any number of, of things. Spiritually, it, it could be that, that you're trying so hard to overcome that one sin, and, 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 and you, you just look back going, I've, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and that one sin, maybe I can just never overcome that. Maybe it's just not worth it. And, and, and you wake up one day, and, and you think, I tried, and I'm not there, and they are, and I, I've worked harder, and you're just discouraged. I want to be uh, real, real honest with you. And uh, this feels a little risky uh, to do this, because I want you to hear my heart. I, I don't want to... Uh, emails. I don't want your words of reassurance at the door. I don't want that. I'm not telling you for that. I'm just telling you because I want to be real. I have to or, or none of this makes sense. I would say uh, in spite of my personality, which is upbeat and pop, positive and generally optimistic, in spite of me knowing how very much I have going for me, I really do know that. In spite of all that, you could say, I, I suffer with a constant sense of low-grade discouragement, sometimes mid-grade, sometimes high-grade. I'm often discouraged. First and, and, and foremost, I'd say I'm discouraged by my sin. I mean, I am a follower of Jesus. I've been one for a long time now, and I am a pastor, and I still mess up horribly. Um, if you want details on that, just ask my family. They get a front you seeing a viewing seat of, of my sin. They know stuff. I, I thinking about Mark's message last week, such a great message where he talked about our identity in God and God's profound love for us. I'm loved by God. My sin is taken care of. All those great truths that we reflected on. And I, I know that. I know that at least up here, but sometimes I don't know it here. You know why? Because I can leave on a Sunday afternoon after uh, two services and my sense of self-esteem, my sense of self, self-worth seems tied to how this went or how the service went. That's why I know my identity isn't fully in God sometimes because I feel like it goes up and down depending on how I did in my life. Sometimes I feel discouraged with the weight of responsibility for you. I know Jesus is the good shepherd, but under Jesus, I know that he's called me to be a shepherd, and it's my job to, to help the sheep follow Jesus faithfully and doesn't always feel like it's working. And uh, I'm a leader in this church. And, and I know that, that our church fails people sometimes. I'll, I'll hear, the church did this. They, they hurt my feelings. They, they weren't there for me. And they can be right. And we as a church can be wrong. And it grieves me. Because we let somebody down or somebody got hurt and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I find it is easy to live with a constant sense of discouragement. Now, why am I telling you all of this? I just want the, the, the field to be level between us, okay? I mean, so we can all be depressed together. <laughs> and so that we can listen to God together, right? I, I, I think, quite honestly, I think um, we all live there. At least we all live there at some point. They're doing this. They're doing that. I'm not. I'm trying so hard. doesn't seem to be working. I'm not seeing the progress that I want to see. What do you do when you find yourself constantly discouraged? 
I want to show you what God tells his people to do when they're, this is where they're at. We're, we're, we're building the temple. It's not going well. It, it's never going to be as good as Solomon's temple. We're trying the best we can, and the best isn't good enough. God gives them the most simple and loving instructions. And to me, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things about this little book. It's how, God, how loving God is. Remember last time when they're like, we, we don't even know where to start in rebuilding the temple. And, and God's like, let me make it real simple for you. I'm going to lay it out in three simple steps. Three steps. One, two, three. Number one, some of you will remember this, go up into the mountains. Number two, bring down the timber. Number three, what? Build the temple. Let's, I want to go over that again because some of you just didn't hear that. Number one. Number two. Number three. Build it. Wasn't that easy? That was, that was a gift, right? Just one, two, three steps. He tells us that's how, how easy it is. You just do what I tell you step by step. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. You just do what I tell you to do. This week we get so discouraged. What do we do, God? Watch how loving he is. It's, it's so amazing. He first talks to the governor, then he talks to the high priest, and then he talks to all of the people. And he tells them all the same thing three times. Verse uh, 4 of chapter 2, God says, But now... Be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. And he tells Joshua, be strong. Then he tells all the people of the land, be strong. What did he tell them, tell them to do? Say it aloud with me, everybody. Be strong. be strong, right. And then he says, and work. Be strong and work. Let me say it again. Be strong and work. Why? God says it here again and again. For I am with you, declares the Lord. What do you do when you're discouraged? God essentially says two things. First, he says, be strong, and then he says, do the work. Let me, let me say it again because you weren't, you weren't connecting with that, right? Be strong and do the work. You're discouraged right now. What do I do? God says, be strong and do the work. When, when you're discouraged and, and you want to give up and you want to quit, what do you do? God says, be strong and do the work. But here's the great news, and the, the great news is, is that we don't have to be strong in our own power. We live in the time of the New Testament, and the great news of the New Testament is that it teaches that when we are weak, that our, our, God's strength is perfected in and through us. In other words, I just don't have to be strong in my own strength. I've got a, a supernatural strength inside of me. That same power, as we talked about a few weeks ago, that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside those of us who believe. When you're weak, you don't have to be strong. In, in, in fact, when you can't do any more and, and you, when you're about to give up, that's when you're a, a perfect candidate for God's strength to be working inside of you. Be strong in the Lord and do the work. Be strong and do the work. What do you do when you're discouraged? Be strong and do the work. Notice he didn't say, talk the talk and do the work. Notice he didn't say, dream the dream and, and do the work. No, notice he, he didn't say, compare the results, but do the work. What do you do when you're discouraged? Be strong and, and do the work in his power. And, and what do you do? You, you be strong and, and you do the work. To, to use building language, you lay down another stone. You just laid that brick, and, and it didn't seem to, to make much of a difference at all. What do you do? You be strong, and you lay down another brick. Put down another stone. But it isn't working. 
doesn't matter. Consistently do the last thing that God told you to do. Consistently choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Consistently do the work. Lay that stone down. And then lay down another stone. And lay down another stone. And lay down another stone. And lay down another stone. Consistently do the hard thing. It'd be easy to, to go home. It'd be easy to say this is too hard. This, is, this, is, this can't happen. It'd be easy to say there's no progress. But God says be strong and do the work. Keep showing up and be strong and keep doing this. I like how one pastor puts it. He says, successful people do consistently what, what normal people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. You catch that? Uh, my favorite book title of all time, I've told you this many times, uh, Eugene Peterson, trying to, I think, in, in, in one title, sum up what the Christian life is about. He describes it as this. This is the title of this great little book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. <laughs> Step after step, after step, consistently laying down that next brick, doing that, not quitting, not giving up. Whereas God led you, continue to, to be strong and, and, and keep on doing what he's called you to do. When we want to give up, what do we do? You, you be strong and, and keep praying even when you don't see results. You be strong and continue to open up God's word and, and seek him daily through his word. You be strong and continue to to do the right thing even when you're not seeing results. You be strong and, and continue to show up and, and exercise even when it seems like the numbers are going the wrong way. You be strong and, and continue to pay down your debt. If it's only, only 10 bucks a month, you, you take a step in the right direction and you just do it month after month, week after week, year after year. You continue to do the right thing. You, you be strong and continue to love other people when they are not loving in return. You be strong and, and bring your best when it seems like everyone else at your work is, is not bringing their best. You be strong and behave honorably even when it seems like your boss or your supervisor is not behaving honorably. You be strong and continue to love your spouse even when it seems like your spouse is unresponsive. You be strong and, and, and continue to reach out to that person even when it seems like the door is closed, even when it seems like they're not letting you in. You be strong and continue to, to love your children, pray for your children, stand for your children, even when it seems like they're not standing for anything that you believe in. You be strong and show back up. You be strong and, and you stay in the game. You be strong and, and you never, ever give up. By the way, this is exactly what I sense of God has called me to do. You know, when I, I live with that sort of constant discouragement, I continue to say that in the strength of the Lord, I will be strong and I will show up and I will do the work. And so every single week, here's what I'll do. I will continue to pray and pray and pray some more. And I will continue to seek God on your behalf. And I'll continue to study his word and I'll continue to lead and I'll continue to preach Christ crucified, resurrected, and alive and available to transform lives. And we'll continue to do this as a church, stone after stone, stone after stone, stone after stone. Now there's somebody here, you're comparing and you're saying, I'm not there, you know. I, I wish I was. I, I'm discouraged. I, I, I don't have the progress. Show back up. 
Consistently do what other people do occasionally. Put down another stone. Just show back up and do what God has, has called you to do. Show back up and, and do what God's called you to do. Be strong in the Lord and do the work. And that's why God's word is so powerful to us. Isn't this what God tells us in Galatians 6, verse 9? He says, let us not become weary in doing good. Why? Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we don't quit, if we keep on showing up, we'll reap a harvest. So be strong and do the work. Now, all of that was the setup. And this is the punchline. If we ended the message right now, I, I, I think I would have left you with more of a go get them, folks. You know, you can do this. Uh, just don't quit. Um, you know, it would have been motivational, inspiring language, and that's about it. And that's not a bad message, but it's incomplete, and let's complete it. God says, be strong and do the work. Why? For I am with you, declares the Lord. This is the key to it all. It, it's not that you do it on your own. It's that you do it with him. You know, you know what God was, was going to show them was the, the most revolutionary world changing news since the beginning of time. And if you read ahead to chapter 2, uh, verses 6 to 9, here's what God says. God says something that they're not even going to be able to get their heads around. And, and, but God says this. He says this. The glory of this temple, the, the, the temple, the glory of this present temple is going to be way greater than the glory of the former temple. And, and you gotta, got to know that to those listening, that would have seemed impossible. God, you must have misspoken here. But God says the glory of this present temple, the one you're building, is going to be greater than the glory of the former temple. And they're going, no, it can't be. And even secular historians tell us that the the temple of Zerubbabel was nowhere near in comparison to the the wonder of Solomon's temple. They, They just did not compare. And so what are you saying, God? They had no idea that God was actually foreshadowing the great New Testament truth of his love. You see, all through the the New Testament, or the Old Testament, what happens in the physical is often a, a foreshadowing of what was going to happen in the spiritual. You know, what, what was in the physical was a, a, a picture of what was going to happen in the spiritual. God shows naturally what he's, he's going to do supernaturally, and, and here's how. It's, it's mind-blowing. God says, the glory of this present temple will be greater than the glory of the former temple. How could he say that? Because God was going to do something beyond what they could ever imagine. Here's the punchline. Don't don't miss this. In the Old Testament, people had to go to the temple to make sacrifices in order to to be right with God. In the New Testament, God says something crazy. He says, now those who are followers of Jesus, you are actually the temple. (laughs) Your body is the house where God dwells. This is the, the, the mind-blowing thought because everyone, everyone thought, you know, you had to go to the temple to experience God. And, and now God says, if you're a follower of my son Jesus, I already dwell within you. And in the Old Testament, you had to go to the, the temple to make a sacrifice it, to, to have the hopes of being made right with, with God. In the New Testament, God comes to you and he makes a sacrifice so you can be right with him. You see how it's turned right upside down? And and then the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And guess what? Jesus is the greater glory. 
I know we don't get this, folks, and I know we're going to have to preach it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday because we're a little thick in the head. This is a truth that we're just not going to quite be able to grapple with because it changes everything. You, you don't have to be strong and do the work on your own. You do it because he's, he's with you. More than that, you do it because he's in you. He's within you. I love those words of Jesus. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He says, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, by the Spirit, dwells in you. The glory of this, this greater temple is going to be greater than the glory of the former temple. Jesus is the greater glory who dwells inside you. And Every time you put down a, a stone in his name, you're glorifying him. When, when you serve someone, he's being glorified. Um, when you love someone, he's being glorified. When, when you forgive someone, he's being glorified. <laughs> you know, when you lift up his name, he's being glorified. And, and, and therefore, why? We should not be discouraged because we are not alone. We don't have to go to the temple anymore and make a sacrifice in hopes of finding God because he came to us and gave his son that we might be right with him. Therefore, Jesus dwells within those of us who are believers, and he's the greater glory. That's why you never need to be discouraged, because get this, you're not alone. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Be strong and do the work, because I am with you, declares the Lord. Therefore, we know that he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion, because he is faithful. Let us not become weary in, in doing good and doing the work, because in the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we will not give up. If you're discouraged today, remember that God came to you. He made a sacrifice so that you could be right with him, and he's not only with you, he's in you. Therefore, you can do everything that he has called you to do. Would you bow your heads with me, and we're going to pray this morning. Father, today... We pray you would give us the courage to put down another stone, to trust you, to be faithful, to do it in your strength and for your glory. And as we're, we're kind of praying and reflecting in these moments, I know that there are those of you like me, maybe you have kind of an ongoing low-grade frustration. You're not, you're not where you thought you'd be. You thought you'd be doing more. You're, you're not where she is. I'm not where he is. I'm trying and I'm not getting ahead in the way I, I hoped I would. You're not alone. But do what God showed you to do. Be faithful. Be strong. And do the work. And, and for those of you who would say, you know what, I, if I'm honest, maybe I'm, I'm very discouraged right now. I have this constant sense of discouragement in a way and, and I need God's help and I need his strength. And I want to be faithful to him, trusting he will finish in me what he's started. If that's you this morning, why don't you just, as a, as a prayer, put up your hand right now. Just raise your hand where you are. If you're in that place, let me pray for you. God, I thank you for the way you are speaking to us today. God, we ask you to help us to be faithful, to do the last thing you showed us to do, to go up the mountain, to bring down the timber, to build the temple, to be strong in the Lord and do what you called us to do. And God, we thank you that we don't have to do it on our own, but we can do it by the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. 
Lord, and encourage us because you dwell in those who know your son, Jesus. Be the strength we need to do what you called us to do. And may Jesus be the greater glory who is, is glorified through us who live to bring glory to your name. Lord, this morning we hear your call to us to not give up, to keep on doing the work. And God, we remember today that, that Jesus is the one who did the ultimate work. That it's not by our works that we are saved. We're saved by his work. We give you thanks, God, and may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.